And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals who seek the best education and inspiration on how to start and grow a business. HubSpot Podcast Network hosts act as on-demand mentors to entrepreneurs, startups, and scale-ups through practical tips and inspirational stories. Listen, learn, and grow with the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Today, my guest is Bob Richards. Bob is the executive vice chairman at Cushman Wakefield, and he is also a member of the Cushman and Wakefield Global Advisory Board. He is in the upper echelons of commercial real estate. Bob leads the Cambridge Urban Team and also heads up the Life Science and Healthcare Practices Group. He serves on the Boston Office Steering Committee. He has represented numerous corporate clients in transactions nationally and internationally. He has negotiated and closed some of the largest commercial real estate transactions in the world. He has successfully completed complex assignments in India, China, Singapore, Australia, the UK, Netherlands, Denmark, as well as in all major cities in the United States. He counsels tenants and clients such as Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, Harvard Medical School, Bristol Myers Squibb, Raytheon, Forrester Research, CRISPR Therapeutics, Acceleron, and the WIS Institute. Prior to joining Cushman in Wakefield, Bob was a founding partner and president of Richards, Barry, Joyce & Partners, which was acquired by Transwestern in 2013. Prior to co-founding RBJ, he was principal at Tramel Crow Company, and before entering commercial real estate, he spent a significant portion of his career as a sportscaster at CNN and WTBS in Atlanta. So, Bob has had an incredible career. He is crushing it in terms of corporate real estate. Obviously, real estate in general, where we're working, are we going into office? That has somewhat changed over the past two years, so I'm going to obviously pick his brain on that. But we dive into his origin story. We speak about how he made a huge major career pivot from broadcasting into real estate, how he went from working for somebody to starting his own firm to successfully exiting his firm to working for somebody again at Cush Wakefield and obviously reaching the upper echelons of commercial commercial real estate. So we speak about some real estate topics and things that hopefully will provide some value to business leaders trying to understand the dynamics of the office environment in 2021 and beyond. And then we also just speak through some incredible stories and some insights that he has from his career across multiple industries, building his own company, just killing it at Cushman Wakefield. And now, of course, he is one of the names at Cushman Wakefield and manages billions of dollars in real estate transactions. So let's jump right into it. This is Bob Rick. Richards, Executive Vice Chairman at Cush. Cush- 
walk me through your origin story. Like you, you can kick it off right now. We can go right into it. Sure, sure, great. Yeah, well, I, I um, grew up outside of Boston in a little town, uh, Norwood, Massachusetts. My father was a public school teacher, um, and my mother was a homemaker. Um, oldest brother, three younger sisters. Um, I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, fortunately, um, had su- some success in in hockey, and that helped me get into a, a good uh, prep school, and uh, then helped me get into Dartmouth College, which you know made a really big difference in my life. Um, so I'm very very blessed with those opportunities. Um, uh, after that, I uh, always had had an interest in broadcasting. So I started uh, my senior year, an NBC television station opened up in White River Junction. So I uh, was hired as a sports reporter there, as opposed to doing the college radio station gig and um, had some, uh, you know, great exposure there. And then uh, after that, I moved out to upstate New York to Binghamton, where I um, was hired as a sportscaster and also weatherman which was a little bit of a, <laughs> not expected, but uh, in <laughs> retrospect was great, great training for me um, over time in terms of sales presentations. Um, and uh, from there, I, I moved on to CNN Sports in Atlanta, worked there for five years as an on-air sportscaster, um, you know, had a lot of fun, uh, great national exposure, worked really hard. You know, they brought in a lot of young people and gave them great opportunity. Um, You know, we didn't make much money, but we had great opportunity. And, um, you know, at that point in time, um, had two kids and, um, you know, just thought that broadcasting career of living on two and three year contracts and having to go to any part of the country that was sort of interested in you, you know, was not a way to make a good family life. So um, ended up looking around and networking and and kind of doing the the jerry Maguire sports agent thing um you know made the most sense and i interviewed with some of them but um one of my uh, good friends growing up that i played a lot of sports with wife worked at a real estate company in in boston and um uh her boss happened to be a dartmouth grad and uh, brought me in and and gave me um, an opportunity to begin work um, as a real estate broker and you know started in this industry at 30 years old so um, coming out of the block Scott I kind of felt like I was you know five years behind everyone else Um, and um, you know had some some pretty funny stories like early on I can remember going into my boss and and you know they had me reading a bunch of leases and and uh i was saying um uh you know i have to find out who the cfo of a delaware corporation is because these guys seem to be involved in every company i'm looking at and matt was like oh my god i i like your instincts but please go back to your desk so you know (laughs) (laughs) so a lot lot of mistakes along the way but after a couple of years there i was um you know a top performer um i went to a uh, boutique firm fallon heinz and o'connor where i got an opportunity to run the the cambridge massachusetts market which has been um very influential in the in the life science world and, and just technology in general and I was there for um, about 13 years uh, and then decided 
I think there's a better way to do this business. So several of my uh, uh, buddies and, and, and partners, we started our own boutique firm, Richards Berry Joyson Partners, and we ran that for 13 years and sold it to Transwestern. And then after three years, made the transition to Cushman and Wakefield, where I've been for two and a half years right now. Amazing, and that's it's a lot of a lot of uh, risk, a lot of pivots. So walk me through your mindset when you at 30 years old. Did you have uh, you have a spouse? You didn't have kids yet, I'm assuming. Did you have kids? Oh yeah. Was there a risk there? Yep, yep. married. Um, uh, you know, two kids at the time when we left yep. Atlanta, uh, including a newborn. Um, and, uh, and since then, you know, we've had Jake, uh, our, our youngest, who's now, you know, uh, 24 years old. Um, but, um, uh, so the, the mindset was, you know, once again, as you know, my, my background, I mean, my, my last year at CNN, I was doing my on-air work. I was doing play-by-play radio on Friday nights for high school football, I was doing um, the Braves post-game show on TBS, and I was uh, on Sunday nights being a cameraman for pro wrestling. <laughs> and so do, doing whatever I needed to do, and I think my last year there, I made like $50,000. So we didn't have much savings, um, and so my mindset, Scott, was um, – Frankly, like I don't care how thick the brick wall is, but I got to go through the brick wall. So if it's six inches thick, I'm going through it. If it's six feet thick, I'm going through it um, because, you know, I, I sort of felt at that time I had had, you know, spent a bunch of time in another career that wasn't going to have that much utility um, with the career I was going into. So I didn't have any any time or effort to waste. And day one, and day one in real estate, you're not making any money. Like this wasn't a salaried position, right? You're just real estate dialing for dollars. Was it like, yeah, yeah? Was it like, did you start off like every other real estate agent? You're doing rentals and and everything like that, and everything. In between? Yeah, so it's a, it was commercial, and um, but you know, I just um, uh, you know wasn't shy about getting on the phone and getting in front of people, and I think you know that real estate background and. You know, interviewing the, you know, whatever, you know, Muhammad Ali's and, and um, you know, Dale Murphy's and, and Larry Bird's, you weren't, you know, I was not intimidated by talking to a CFO or a CEO and it just made you comfortable. So um, I think that was, um, you know, something that in retrospect, I hadn't wasted, you know, those eight years or whatever. It was actually, you know, sort of good good training and um you know to when you're a sportscaster and you're going live you know you you live and die on that three minutes a night right so there's no yeah. there's no redos there's no editing so um you know that that was my mindset going into it but you know it was um certainly intimidating in some ways to be going into an industry that i literally knew nothing about nothing you just you drank from the the fire hose for sure i'm, I'm the first you know <laughs> first little bit all right so you're growing your real estate career um you're you're just consuming as much knowledge information as possible um now the the real the the real i guess the real like hockey stick growth curve in your career would be when you started your own brokerage yeah. so what what differentiated you that made you because now, now look at where you're at like this is 
you know, this is the epitome of real estate and commercial real estate. You're there now, but how'd you get there? Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, one, you know, when, when I talk to younger people, I think one important lesson is don't be afraid of moving on from success, right? Because think about it. I was 30 years old at the time. I had only been in the business a year and a half and I was fortunate to be, you know, the top salesperson in that real estate company with probably, I don't know, 40 brokers, you know, a year and a half in. And so it was kind of like, why would you ever leave this company to go to this fledgling boutique, Fallon Hines and O'Connor? But I just knew in my gut that I was going to have more opportunity and a wider runway than after being with that organization and having a great run. I think one of the things that really fueled my desire there was was leadership and having a chance to to lead an organization you know it wasn't as rewarding to just do another deal or a bigger deal um, but it was a chance to kind of help young people and you know uh, we we ended up you know starting the company you know in july um whatever that was three months before 9 11. so talk about terrible timing um and and um you know we went from at that point, it was big organizations, but we just thought there was a better way to um, uh, have a smaller boutique company. And one of the really interesting things we did was we went, um, as opposed to straight commission, we went on a salary bonus program. So as opposed to everybody eating what they killed, whatever everybody earned, we brought in and twice a year sat down, subjectively bonus the non-partners and split amongst the partners equally what was remaining. So the teamwork and the knowledge sharing and the support that we developed there really differentiated ourselves. And then, you know, after the horrible 9-11 and the economy in a tailspin, you know, when people were, um, uh, you know, thinking about trying to get rid and market uh, their excess property, they, said, you know, we can go with the, the normal folks or we've got this young, aggressive, energized group. And they were like, listen, we can take some chances because we got to get rid of this space. You know, if if the world had been smooth, I, I think we would have had a really much harder time, um, you know, getting going. But the fact that the economy was in a bad, a bad place um, and, you know, ordinarily you could kind of you know, have your head down and say, oh, geez, you know, no one can make it work in this environment. It was the total opposite for us. That's amazing. You, you were 100 percent like you. It was funny. It's funny because it was a it was a poor economy for most people looking outside in. It's the worst possible conditions you could possibly ever expect. Right. But that's opportunity yeah. and not in a malicious way. It's it's opportunity in like you have to you have you're going to work hard you're going to hustle you're going to differentiate you're going to take advantage of the fact that no one else can get this done and you're going to have a team and a culture that supports this this kind of mindset how did you find people that were that were right for this to bring into your firm it was really hard and it was really happenstance i mean frankly like you know uh you know so it's richards barry joyce i mean john barry i i had done some work with um and Mike Joyce, um, we, we were playing in a pickup hockey league. And I remember just saying, you know, who's that number 11? And so like, oh, that's Mike Joyce. And you could just see the way that he competed 
on the ice and then you know we, we filled in other like-minded people with uh, within other geographies to cover but we just had that mindset and you know once again by doing the compensation the way we did um yeah. it just fostered this uh sort of brotherhood of of commitment um and it it, it paid great dividends i just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode ladder now ladder allows you to get access to life insurance, but I wanna just give some context. So I was excited when Ladder reached out. I'm a big advocate of life insurance. Of course, a lot of us over the past two years have lost loved ones, but for me, it actually came back to before COVID. Fortunately, I actually haven't lost anybody, but I have lost people far before their time uh, previous to COVID. And it just so happens that when a younger family or a younger person loses their life, God forbid, way before they should, um, they haven't thought of life insurance yet. Younger families in general don't look into life insurance to the same extent as perhaps somebody with adult children or even grandchildren uh, look into life insurance. So you end up having, if something happens, these costs and these financial burdens that are passed on to their family. And it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of things that somebody who just lost somebody who they loved shouldn't have to think about. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of life insurance. Now, Ladder makes it extremely easy, which is why I was excited to partner up with them. Ladder is 100% digital, uh, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork, all the things that stress you out about figuring out life insurance, Ladders remove that friction. So you just need a phone or a laptop to apply, and there's an algorithm that will validate and confirm your coverage for up to $3 million in under 30 seconds. It's all digital, all self-serve. You can, of course, call them and speak to somebody if you want to speak to somebody, but you don't have to, which means that the barrier to getting life insurance, getting a policy, getting a quote is next to nothing. The quotes are set for life. So if you lock in a quote, especially if you're younger and you're healthier, you can carry that quote on for as long as you'd like. There's no contract. So if you want, you can cancel that quote whenever you want. No obligation. The price they quote you is the price you're paying. There's no fees. There's nothing added on. So of course, life insurance is good to give you peace of mind if something does happen. But also, they've removed any stress in at least starting to think about it. So what I would recommend is if you do not have life insurance, or even if you do have life insurance, because there's no effort to actually get a quote, go to the link that they set up for everybody who's a Success Story podcast listener and at least inquire. Start to look into the process because it can save your family an immense amount of stress. So the, the link that they set up for everybody who's a Success Story podcast listener is ladderlife.com slash success story. That's ladderlife, L-A-D-D-E-R, L-I-F-E dot com slash success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S, story, S-T-O-R-Y. So go there, get a quote in under 30 seconds, you'll get up to $3 million in coverage, and then you can start to investigate and hopefully get life insurance so that you and your family will be taken care of. All right, let's get back to the show. And I was going to say, one of, you mentioned like brotherhood and, and, and this culture, and you did it by changing the way that people are comped. And compensation drives behavior. And, and traditionally in like hard sell uh, industries where it's like peer commission, you know, eat what you kill, like that's a very competitive, not brotherhood, brotherly, you know, culture driven organization. Right. It, nobody's supporting each other. Correct. And that's yeah. probably a differentiator too. Yeah. And, and sisterhood. I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, uh, here it is. So, um, you know, we sold in, in uh, like 2017, I want to say, but I'm, I'm sort of surprised that there haven't been other companies like that that have popped up, you know, but when you get into these sales organizations and it's, it's this kind of, you know, pyramid scheme of the senior broker taking, you know, big pieces of every deal and spreading it around, you know, uh, as they see fit. Um, I'm, I'm sort of amazed that, that you know, I, I think it's really hard when you're at the top of the pyramid to say, you know, there's a, you know, there's another way to do this. Right. So I think that's what's kept people, because once again, every person when we started Richards Barry Joyce was very successful in a, you know, mostly commissioned environment. Um, um, you know, Fallon Hines and O'Connor, where I'd been, had a similar uh, system, but it, it was it was sort of modifying uh, over time. Uh, but but I think, you know, sales organizations, especially smaller ones, can look at that. I mean, it's you can't replicate that as you get to be a, you know, hundred person group, you know, thousand person group. It's it's too hard to divvy up the pie. Um, but for smaller boutiques, I think you know you want a commonality of purpose and a commitment and a spirit. You know how you divvy up the pie can, as you say, drive some behaviors. Yeah, no, that's it's very impressive. Now. Um, so you you built this up, you sold it, um, you decided to jump right back in. Walk me through that mindset. Why did why did you want to make the move to, to Cushman and Wakefield? What was the play there? Well, I mean, I had never worked, you know. So really, every organization I had been in, um, we had to kind of figure out every resource that we had ourselves. And I had never had an opportunity to work with an organization that had deep resources and um you know a real international focus so um uh you know I, I talked to you know seven or eight firms when um i decided to 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 leave um you know including staying with my former partners at another big organization um you know cbre that's a great organization and and um i was fortunate to get, you know, a, a bunch of offers. But to me, at this point in time, you know, my my real my focus was I wanted to have fun. I wanted to really enjoy the people I was working with. Um, and I wanted to have, uh, you know, an opportunity to to sort of help mentor uh, other people and put myself in a position that we could win any piece of business. Right. I mean, that's so that, yeah. to compete at the highest level. So it wasn't about, you know, who gave you the biggest signing bonus. I mean, frankly, I left a lot of money on the table coming to Cushman. But, you know, at, at some point in time, really, it's not, you know, the compensation is, is not your only reward in a career, you know, after you've had some mm -hmm. level of success. So you're, you're, you've joined Cushman. And for people that don't know, for people that don't know what you're doing at Cushman, but also what Cushman Wakefield does, maybe just give a brief rundown of, of what their purpose and their vision is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Cushman and Wakefield, um, it's a large organization, international organization, 50,000 people across the world, 140 offices, um, you know, great client 
you know, great, great clients, um, represent tenants, represent landlords, you know, sell properties, manage properties. Um, it's a it's a very, um, you know, very substantive company, you know, competes uh, with the CBREs and the Jones Lang LaSalle's of the world. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, so what are you? So what are you working on? Um, what are you working on at Cushman Wakefield now? Because you you also work in a very interesting, an interesting niche or, or niche for my American friends. Yeah. Um, so, what, so what do you do at Cushman Wakefield? Sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, so I, I lead our um, uh, Cambridge group uh, and also lead our life science practice in Boston. So I think, as you're aware, right, the life science industry, you know, thanks in part to MIT and Harvard. Um, has had, you know, explosive growth in the greater Cambridge market. So, um, you know, we are very, you know, humbled to work with groups such as, uh, um, you know, Pfizer, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, Harvard Medical School, Bristol-Myers Squibb, CRISPR, you know, some of the gene editing companies. So we're helping those organizations strategize on how to build their um, their real estate portfolios, not only locally, but across the country and across the world. So it's a great opportunity, you know, the, when you think about the mission of a Dana-Farber or what Pfizer and, and, and BMS are doing for people in the world, um, you know, our opportunity for our team to just help a little bit on that mission, you know, is something that's really rewarding to our team. Now, I am curious, uh, what are some of the things that you've seen? Because we're all living, we're all living virtual now. So that impacts real estate. Yes, that that's impacted real estate in a big way. Walk me through some of the things that you've seen over the past year and a half, when it comes to commercial real estate, what companies are doing? How, how is it impacting? Uh, I'm curious to see. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think on the life science side, it has not been as dramatic an impact because you know, you can't work in a lab remotely, right? So the lab yeah, people have had to yeah. be uh, at work, but certainly on the office side, um, you know, there, there has been significant impacts and, and a lot of space on the market. And I don't think anybody has quite figured it out yet, but, you know, as you think about interesting uh, issues that are gonna come into play, I think a lot of people have gotten very comfortable working remotely. So I think as you think about attracting tenant talent and, and, and retaining talent, especially younger folks, um, I think if there's a hybrid opportunity where they can work from home two or three days a week and, and be in the office, you know, two or three days a week, that's probably going to give some organizations, you know, an advantage. And really the, the real estate business that we're in, we're really in the talent business. So it's really not about bricks and mortar. Um, you know, the CEOs and, and C-level folks are really focused on how can I use my real estate to attract the best and brightest people for my company? And, um, you know, some of this back to work and workplace strategy and, 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 and hybrid scheduling, I think is really gonna play out, Scott, across all industries uh, over the next few years. And, uh, and there's not a one size fits all. It's, it's gonna be different company to company, industry to industry, age group workforce, 
you know, um, I, I think it's going to be really impactful and very interesting to watch. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. HubSpot's CRM is the easiest tool you can ever find to align your team. There are two features that you need in a CRM that optimize every activity your team does. It's the ability to communicate, meaning chat, email, etc., messaging, as well as a unified system of record. Your company is going to use a CRM to manage conversations with prospects and customers throughout all stages of the buyer journey. And as your company grows, these conversations get a little bit more difficult. Information may get lost. Communication may be disjointed and HubSpot solves all that. Using HubSpot as your CRM makes sure that all of your communication and your records are unified across your entire organization, meaning that from when you first have that initial touch point with the customer and they enter your funnel all the way through to when they actually sign that contract and after with customer success, every piece of information, every bit of communication is aligned and congruent across your company. You can install live chat on your website and allow sales or support to talk to prospects directly. You can send marketing emails on behalf of a sales rep to complement their outbound campaign. You can allow prospects to book meetings directly from marketing emails right into a sales rep's calendar. And all the interaction, all the communication is seamlessly documented into your HubSpot CRM so that if somebody else has to look into an account or to help out, they know exactly where the last person left off. Best of all, with HubSpot's various price points and flexible pricing, any company at any stage can take advantage of the various features that HubSpot has to offer, starting with free and allowing for more scalability and complexity as your organization grows. Learn how to scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Has it has it impacted uh, like financials? Has it impacted commercial property values? I only follow residentials, and I think that's what many people follow, but you're, you're in it. So what has it done to commercial property? We have not seen, you know, uh, I mean, life science rents have continued to escalate at, at you know, very healthy three to five percent increases. Um, the residential market in greater Boston, um, you know, with the workforce needs have, have continued to grow very dramatically. So, um, you know, I, I think it really depends on where you are and, and where you live and what kind of job opportunities, because, you know, unfortunately, there's parts of the country where, you know, the the work opportunities are not there, and and they're going to be harder and harder to come by. But, um, you know, one interesting sort of trend that we talked about is, um, uh, you, you know, you think of somebody working for, um, you know, a, 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 a high-end conglomerate type of company, and you need to pay them what a working wage in a New York or a Boston or Chicago brings. Um, if some percentage of those jobs do not have to be in office and you can handle those remotely and you can have people in more sort of rural parts of the country uh, and you can afford to pay somebody, you know, whatever, 50% less to live in another locale, uh, I, I think that's going to have an impact on organizations because, you know, you don't have to pay top dollar if people aren't coming into the office anymore and, and can handle yeah. things remotely. So that's going to be a very interesting trend, I think, to follow. Yeah, because now, if you think about that, now people who were working in New York in a pay band for New York and they're making New York salaries and they move to nowhere, they move to somewhere, you know, somewhere else. 
and their peer that was working in another city in another pay band, well, now there's no reason why they shouldn't be paid the exact same. Yep. That's a huge, that's an HR issue now. Yep. Now you got to figure out the ethics of what to pay people and what, that's a big deal. Totally, totally, totally. I mean, you know, you think here and uh, was just on with some folks yesterday and, and um, it's like, you know, people not wanting to live in Boston and, and enjoying the lifestyle in Maine, right? Well, you can yeah. live a lot more comfortably uh, in, in Maine um, economically than you can in greater Boston. So, you know, uh, are there going to be jobs that move that way or, or is this going to kind of advance that a little bit? Because once again, it's all about talent. You, you need the smart people. And if, if they want to, um, if they don't want to live where you want them to live or, or, or to commute in and you still want access to that intelligence, you know, you're going to have to work with them in order to once again attract the best and the brightest and it's so competitive um you know yeah well now because now you can work from anywhere you can you can you can leave a job like that and work anywhere in the world no problem totally right totally uh you see you see companies um now i know so this is this is life science so i i get it life science is probably not changing that much because you need to be in a lab for the foreseeable future doing things physically um but have you seen across Cushman Wakefield, have you seen companies migrating to more of a co-working environment? Have you seen, or, or just people are just trying to do like a hybrid model? Have you uh, seen any of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say everybody, uh, for the most part, is at least going to a hybrid and uh, uh, a model. And, um, you know, that's getting into discussions with, um, so, you know, if you used to have an office or a cubicle that was assigned to you, um, and you're only gonna come in three days a week, do you still get your assigned desk or cubicle or do you no longer qualify for that? You know, If you're a four day a week person, you get an office. If you're a three day a week person, you don't or two days or so on and so forth. So um, it's happening real time across organizations right now. And as I said, it's not a one one size fits all it's it's different for every organization and it's yeah. a, a major opportunity for cushman and wakefield to help organizations try to figure this out yeah i'm, I'm now i'm curious have you, you're, you're the guy who who champions and sells commercial real estate have you been more productive at home or were you more productive in an office um <laughs> I, I, I mean i never would have predicted how efficient um i have been remotely um uh and you know even time to time you know folks will say oh are you are you coming in tomorrow and it's like literally i i cannot afford to come in tomorrow because i can't afford to be on the hour and a half commute or even you know to have a lot of um unexpected interactions which are fun because you know working remotely yeah. is certainly not fun um but it's extremely efficient and even even on the uh, on the process itself, I mean, you think about when you were working with a company and showing them new sites or alternatives. Um, of course, you used to do that. You know, you got in a car and you took four people and you looked at building A, building B, building C. Now, through this, the vast majority of some very large transactions have all been done remotely where you just do you know, back-to-back -back Microsoft Teams or Zoom presentations, and it's all a, uh, you know, sort of virtual presentation on the property. 
here's the problem the site and and it's funny one organization a life science group um who has people from all over the country so you know we've had to do them um in this virtual way but they all happen to be in town and so we did an actual tour um a few weeks ago and their response was oh god this is like so much worse it's such a waste of time uh, you know, we, we got to do these virtual. This getting in the car and fighting traffic is is no way to do things. So it's very interesting to see how how that'll evolve. But um, and have you you've closed commercial transactions virtually in the past year and a half? Now. Oh yeah, yeah, many, many. I mean, um, um, yeah, had a very our team had a very strong year last year, and and you know expect the same this year. So uh, once again, a lot of that is you know being in greater Boston and being a life science broker advisor, you know, it's sort of like a good place to be, right? It's uh, yeah. much harder for, you know, just uh, strict office brokers, you know, that, that, that it's a, a heck of a lot harder. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That's, it's very, very, just so interesting how the, how the world's changing and, and you're kind of just living it every single day because you're working in, you know, you're working in the, in the office space and the commercial real estate. And that's one major area that's been impacted. I actually have family that work for Morgard in the, in the commercial retail. Uh, and oh, yeah. they're, they're, well, they're getting slaughtered. They're not having the same positive no. conversation that you are. They're putting on anchors on malls and that was the job before. Now everything's revamped. So really? it's been a tough. Yeah. It's been a tough go. Yes, for sure. Um, okay, so what I wanted to, so that was really, that was that was great. I, now you took you took the uh, you, you had the foresight to write down a couple points that I thought were interesting um, that I wanted to to just unpack um, because they're really good career. They're not obviously we're pivoting now from commercial real estate and COVID, but they're really good just career points, and I thought they were interesting to talk through because um, they're they're provocative a little bit some of them so one of the one of the ones i thought was interesting is you only need to make three to four big career decisions you mentioned moving on from near-term success but why is that important for people that are earlier on in their career to understand what that means for them. I just wanna take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Quantum Metric. So what Quantum Metric is going to do is it's going to allow you to develop a single source of customer-centric truth that can help you understand how to position your products, how to sell to your customers, because anyone is a digital leader who wants to understand your customers better. It should be 100% of you. You should want to understand the customer experience when they hit your website, and then you also want want to understand not just your customers, but who else in the world is having similar experiences and how can you use that information to make informed decisions about how your business moves forward. We are gearing up for an unprecedented 2021 e-commerce season. E-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks, even though COVID is lightening up. Consumer behavior has changed forever. And with Quantum Metric, you can prepare yourself to capture every single customer revenue opportunity. So their unique approach to the digital experience that the customer has while engaging with your brand helps top retailers, e-commerce outlets quickly identify and prioritize large and small revenue opportunities. And they keep Keep customers coming back. So everything from page hits, mouse movements, scrolling, typing, 
out-of-the-box interactions that you couldn't even think of, various events, API calls, literally everything, they quantify that data and they present it to you so that you can use that data to make informed decisions about how customers interact with your brand online. So if you want to reduce customer friction, if you want to increase conversions, drive more revenue, optimize user experience, personalize the shopping experience for all of your customers, go visit quantummetric.com slash pod offer. That's quantummetric.com slash pod offer and go see if you qualify for the 12 days of insights offer using the code success. The 12 days of insight offer gives you 12 days of access to the quantum metric platform with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling and engaging with your online experience and your digital product. Some restrictions apply, but for the majority of people, go to quantummetric.com slash pod offer, enter the code success, and you will be able to receive their 12 days of insights offer. Get ready to understand your customers with intimate detail that can optimize experience and revenue and give your customers an overall much more pleasant experience when they hit your site. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's that many, you know, there are that many, maybe even opportunities, um, but you know, you don't have to make that many big decisions in your career. But one thing that I, I think really holds a lot of people back is being in a in a role that has kind of success at that moment and near term success, and not being able to kind of peek over the mountaintop to say, you know, well maybe on the other side there's even more opportunity, not like there's no way I can ever leave this job, um, you know, uh, or, or this role because I'm so comfortable doing what I'm doing. And, you know, that happened to me a few times, right? I mean, uh, you know, I transitioned from broadcasting to real estate. I'm doing really well at this well-established, you know, old line firm. You know, why would you go to a fledgling startup? Um, and then why would you leave that to start your own firm? And then why would you leave that to go to Cushman and Wakefield? So I just don't see that many, uh, you know, decisions that I've had to made, make. But I think a lot of times people get very comfortable and um, they, they, they're they not willing to take that risk for more success because, you know, not everybody um, is driven that way, I guess, either. Right. So. Um, you know, some, some people can settle for, for less. What about, what about, uh, this one, make a bet on yourself and take the chance to be a difference maker. Yeah. Walk me through that. Totally. Well, I mean, I, I, I just think, you know, as we said, we have a, an opportunity to work with some great organizations, which gives us kind of great reward. But, um, you know, I think people, you know, I think in, in, in our role, they're, they're looking for, um, uh, advisors that can kind of help steer them into what, you know, an educated person, uh, experienced person thinks is going to happen, right? Because there's, there's constant decisions. Should we sign a three-year lease? Should we sign a five-year lease? Is the market going to get worse? Is the market going to get better? And, um, you know, especially in the real estate brokerage world, I always like to say, you know, um, uh, to, to clients when they're asking about their advisors, um, I, I'm like, when your real estate broker tells you not to do a deal, that's when you have an advisor and not a broker, right? 
I don't think we should go transact right now because I think it's going to be better in three years. You're not going to find a lot of salespeople that are going to say, I'm going to turn down today's commission because, you know, hopefully I'll be working with this company in three years and we will transact. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's what I mean by making a bet on yourself. And it's, it's once again, people that kind of get stuck in, in roles that after a while, they just don't find rewarding. Um, they're, they're, they're not really, you know, passionate about it. They're not having that much fun at it, but they're afraid to make a bet on themselves and, 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 and do something else and take a chance. The clients you work with are a reflection of you. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it actually it's one of our receptionists uh, had, had pointed that out to me um, years ago just on kind of fielding the incoming calls. And this was really pre pre voicemail even right so you, you know you'd come back and you'd get a stack of of um uh of pink slips and so you know our receptionist would be interacting with everybody's clients and she just um you know noticed that you know i mean she just said you know my clients were were the nicest people to deal with and 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 i think you know um uh over time the you know, super analytical clients deal with the super analytical advisor and the most socially networked, you know, entertaining at night folks work with the most socially, you know, uh, involved people. And, um, you know, the hard asses work with the hard asses. So uh, I really think over time, you know, you can't fake it. And people hire people that they trust um, that they like being around and and that they believe in, and um, I, I don't think you can fake that. You know, if you're if you're you know dealing with somebody who's very technically proficient, and over time they find out you're not technically proficient, I don't think that's a match that works long term. So that's what I mean by that. And even 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 to take that a step further and, and, and said differently, if we extrapolate that concept to anybody, if you are if you are very self-aware and you find yourself constantly surrounded by really shitty people, yep. that's a really good introspection point where you should be like, this is this is a, a mirror of potentially who I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it and it and it goes beyond sales and beyond real estate. This is yeah. I found that an interesting point because I don't think we think about that. And often. even even you know I mean and, and you can't fake it. It's like listen, if you're uh, a huge you know if your client's a huge opera fan and you live for the NFL, you know over time it's going to be hard to continue to find the commonality of talking about things not just about business, right? And you can't you yeah. can't really fake it, and and you shouldn't fake it. Right. I mean, you shouldn't fake it. Yeah. It's a life lesson. Man. That's not even a, that's not a sales. Lesson. That's a life lesson <laughs> be you. Be, yeah, be true to you. To you. Yeah. Um, one other one that I thought was interesting, finish as strong as you start. Obviously everybody thinks that that'll make sense, but what have you seen in a, we can talk about in a commercial con in a commercial real estate context, sales context, just, just, you know, as a, as a good business individual or professional, Walk me through that concept. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a lesson I learned from uh, a mentor of mine's uh, wife. 
um, you know, who was the headmaster of a, of a private school where, where two of my kids went. And she was always like, finish strong. It's, it's sometimes easy to, you know, start things, get almost to the finish line and fade. You know, you got to get through the finish line and be just as engaged at that point in time as when you were first even, you know, pitching a, a project. So it's just so important. And uh, I mean, it happens in real estate all the time, especially in commercial real estate where, um, you know, you get to like a, uh, an MOU or it's called a letter of intent in real estate where you, you, you nail the business terms and then you start negotiating the actual lease document. And there's a lot of people that just get it to the business, to the LOI, and then just kind of keep their fingers crossed that everything's going to work out and the two attorneys are going to work through the lease. That's not how we work. You know, we, we um, you know, provide extensive lease comments to the in-house counsel or outside counsel for our clients and are on every lease negotiation call. You can fade early or you can stay on. And I think our clients really appreciate it. And, you know, once again, the, the Cushman resources, we have people in our organization that are attorneys and operating expense experts and measurement of properties experts and project management experts that dig into every detail of that lease. And that's how you separate yourself from the pack of dropping off before you even started talking about, you know, issues that'll cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over the, the course of a, you know, 15 year major lease. Amazing. And then last one that I thought was interesting was uh, always have clarity of purpose. What's that? Well, that, that's really, uh, I, I think it's really more like appreciating what our clients are doing. And it's really, you know, it's really helping them with their success. And, you know, how, how lucky are we to help somebody, um, you know, to, to work with a Pfizer, right, who's bringing, um, uh, you know, the vaccine to the world, yeah. to work with Dana Farr. Not a, not a not unknown name. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, and to, to, to uh, work with a Dana Farber that's helping to, to cure cancer and protecting their real estate interests, like every dollar that's spent on rent is, is your dollar. I think, you know, just reminding our team the clarity of, of, of that purpose and what they're up to and how lucky we are and, and how we can, you know, in some small way, help them support their amazing missions that, you know, make what we do, um, you know, seem very, very insignificant. You know, it, it, it's very, especially the life sciences, you work with some very interesting, yeah. very, very interesting customers for sure. Totally. Um, Okay, so I want to I want to do some rapid fire uh, career questions uh, that I finish these interviews off with. But before we pivot, um, last thoughts on commercial real estate, your career, and then uh, where do people reach out to you? Where do people find you if they want to get in touch, social media or otherwise? Oh, sure. Um, so I mean, any I mean, I think the commercial real estate industry is is changing dramatically. Um, I think, you know, in our, I don't know what we say, COVID world, it's not pre or post. Uh, I think there's going to continue to be a lot of changes that every organization uh, is going to go through and, and we've got a deep team to help. Um, best way to get a hold of me would probably just be through uh, email 
robert.richards at cushwake.com, C-U-S-H-W-A-K-E. Um, and, you know, my mobile number is 617-943-3928. But always interesting in, in understanding challenges that organizations have and, and being able to help them out or even helping, you know, younger folks with career decisions, which is, you know, tremendously rewarding at this stage of my career. So now, now I know you're a real, a real salesperson because nobody's ever given out their phone number on this show before. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bring it on. Let's do it. All right, good. Very good. Okay. Call us, Scott, right? I mean, this will be one of the few times anyone will call. We, we have to call them, right? So That's true. That's very true. Greatest opportunity ever is the way to look at it. I love it. Okay. Uh, a couple of rapid fire. Biggest challenge uh, you've had in your career. Uh, which point was that and how did you overcome it? Well, I would say the biggest challenge was definitely transitioning from broadcasting into commercial real estate. Um, and um, <laughs> I don't know how I overcame it really, just with um, persistence and passion and intensity. Good, very good. Um, a mentor, a person. I know there's probably been many, but you have to pick one. Who was that? Uh, what did they teach you? I would say uh, probably that would be my sort of high school hockey coach and ended up being the, um, you know, headmaster where, where two of my three sons went to school. Um, and he just just taught, you know, uh, how to do things right and um, not take shortcuts. Um, you know, one thing I see a lot of people doing, and I, and I counsel against it, is spending a lot of effort trying to figure out the easiest way to accomplish a task. And instead of figuring out the easiest angle and how I can shortcut this and that, just do the job and go through and get it done. And, and, and I think I, I, I learned um, a lot of that from, from uh, you know, Mr. Flood. Very good. That's smart. That's good advice. Um, uh, what would be a resource uh, that you'd recommend people check out? A, a book or a podcast that you maybe would recommend that you've that's impacted you over your career? Anything in particular? Um, I can't really think of anything specifically. I, I, I just think it's you know staying in tuned with kind of what's going on and, and, and having sort of broad interests. And I wouldn't get very segmented. I would be really open to. You know, we always said, you know, like when, when I was would talk to the uh, marketing folks at Richards Barry Joyson Partners, I would be like, listen, I don't want the best marketing materials in commercial real estate. I want the best marketing materials in industry. So what are the automotive folks doing? Well, what's going on in insurance, um, investments? I think it's very important to have kind of a broad perspective um, uh, as you're advising clients, because you, you just can't be, you know, uh, too, too segmented on, on one particular expertise. Uh, what would be one thing that you would tell your 20 year old self? Uh, my 20 year old self, don't watch the 1987 world series between the Red Sox and Mets. I think that would be, <laughs> that would be uh, that would be my first, or or the Patriots Giants uh, Super Bowl game. There's been a few. Yeah, yeah, but um, uh, you know, I I can't really think of 
of, um, you know, I mean, once again, I, I don't really consider myself a risk taker. I, I mean, I remember talking to my dad about transitioning from, from, um, uh, from broadcasting into real estate. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And it's like, well, you know, going to help companies find, you know, space they need to run their organizations. And he's like, well, what happens when they have all find, found the amount of space they need? I'm like, good question, Dad. Hopefully that doesn't happen. This is going to be a short career. But I, I would say, you know, I, I would just embolden myself to continue to kind of take chances and, and um, um, you know, really want, wanting to be a difference maker and, and wanting to know that you are giving your clients the best advice there is out there. Right. I mean, right. don't settle for anything less than than being the best. And last question, um, what does success mean to you? Uh, success means to me providing for my family, um, right, uh, g giving them opportunities that that, you know, uh, w we didn't have growing up. I think that's really what it means. I think it's success means helping others to to become successful. You know, so some lessons learned, like our, our talk today, how can you help pass it down um, to the next group of folks? Because, you know, helping somebody get it and, and change the opportunities they can provide their families is just, you know, amazingly rewarding. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching 
my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 